0: Good ministry, and I encourage you. uh, There've already been some that didn't sign up that said they want to go, and so I've got to order some more tickets. And so be glad to add you to the list. And so um, it's a a way of assurance in some ways for the Christian because of what Christ has done for us. We won't go through uh, that turmoil. Uh, but also a reminder for Christians that we all know people uh, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace uh, that don't know the Lord. Um, and it's a, a good motivation for us to remind us that we need to not be ashamed of the gospel. Uh, and uh, I encourage you, if you're going, invite some people who don't know the Lord uh, to come along uh, with you. Tickets are just $12, so you know, that's not that big of an investment, and so if you, you know, buy you a couple extra tickets and say, let's go together, um, and so uh, appreciate that good ministry, I appreciate Brent uh, sharing with us uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter four, 15. Uh, you know, that, uh, you get the judgment journey, uh, and we think about the last days, and Um, You think about, my goodness, things are mighty bleak in this world already, Um, you know, and uh, they're not getting any better, folks. Uh, They're getting worse. Uh, And so it's hard to imagine sometimes, my goodness, how is it even possible that things could get worse? But the Bible tells us that it will. Um, and in fact, uh, once Christians are gone from this world, it'll get a whole lot worse. Um, you know, if, if this is what the world is with the church's influence in it, I know I don't want to be around with the absence of the church. Um, and so, but you know, uh, it's, all of us go through hard times, don't we? And we all go through things that are so difficult and we, I know I've asked God several times in my life, Lord, why? <laughs> why do I, you know, we say, it's supposed to be easy. I'm serving you. It's it's not supposed to be this hard. Uh, and, um, but God, there's an old country song. I remember Grandpa used to have this record and uh, he would play it a lot. And it's, um, I don't even remember what the lady's name is that sang it. Some of you probably were around when it came out uh, originally, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. Uh, but uh, the, the the only line of it that I remember is, "I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden," uh, and that's uh, true in life as well, isn't it? Uh, some of you know that song. I can tell. Uh, Abraham went through a similar uh, time, and he said, "Lord, you're just taking too long to, you know, what's the, what's the deal?" Uh, and God answers it, answers him. So let's look uh, at Genesis chapter fifteen. Uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is El- Elizer of Damascus? Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is, is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it. He said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old male goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. He brought all of these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. He said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land not, uh, that is not theirs, and will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve, I will judge. Afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Verse 15 says, now as for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Uh, And so uh, a great reminder. Remember that uh, a few weeks ago when we looked at um, the covenant that God had made uh, to Abraham um, in chapter 12, he said, Abraham, leave and go to a place I'm going to show you, and I'll make your name great, I'm going to bless those that bless you and curse those that bless you. Well, a lot of years had passed between that moment and when we find Abraham in chapter 15. Now, if you're like me, uh, if somebody tells me they're going to do something, uh, I know Leslie's this way especially, Uh, if I tell her I'm going to take the trash out, I may mean, well, probably before the day's over, I'll get the trash out. But that's not how Leslie interprets. I'll take the trash out. She wants me to take right then. Uh, I saw a coffee mug uh, one time uh, in a store somewhere, and it said, "Yes, I said I would do it. You don't have to remind me. You know, I know it's been six months, but I'll get it done." Uh, and that, that's true <laughs> in a lot of ways. We don't like waiting. We want. The promises, And we know that God has promised us that if we would give Him our life and we would trust Him, that He would bless us. And we so often think, man, that means that we're not going to have any problems and everything's just going to be all rosy and peachy. And everything is going to be marvelous. Well, serving the Lord is marvelous and blessed, but so often we miss the blessings because we're looking in all the wrong places. And we have the wrong perspective. Because the truth of the matter is, just being able to wake up this morning, having life, is a blessing from God. God always being with us and never leaving us and never forsaking us is a great blessing from the Lord. But the Lord doesn't stop there. And so but so he says, Came to to Abraham in a vision and said, Abraham, don't be afraid. For I'm your. In other words, he's saying, Abraham, I am your protector, your provider. You can trust me. Because he knew Abraham's heart. He knew Abraham was struggling. And I tell you that God knows your struggles and your heart and the battles that you're going through. And he says the same thing to you and me. Don't be afraid. I am your shield. In other words, I'll protect you. I'll fight the battles for you. God, uh, you know, had spoken to Abraham because he knew his heart, and Abraham responded, "God, I just don't. It's hard for me to believe you. I, I don't see it." And that's when we're reminded of what faith is. Because faith can't be seen. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of that. And yet, God says, Listen, Abraham, I am with you. I made a promise to you, and I'm going to fulfill it. He said, I know you said that, but I don't have an heir. I have. Someone from the house, and, and there's two strange thoughts. Either Eliezer was a um, nephew or a distant cousin, so a, a relative of some sort, but not his direct descendant, or else he was a servant that he had gotten in Egypt and now it was back. Either, war, in other words, Eliezer was the closest thing he had to an heir. But it wasn't a direct descendant. And God says, no, that's not the one. I told you I was going to make an error. And in fact, you try look up at the sky. And you try to number the stars. Well, if you've tried, you know you can't possibly number all the stars. You start counting, you'll lose track before long, probably fall asleep. You know, after you get past 100, baby. But there's billions and billions of stars uh, just in our galaxy, scientists tell us. Um, And so God reminds us, hey, listen, I never said it was going to be easy, but I made a promise and I'm going to keep that promise. It's here in this chapter that we find the, the words fear not, for the first time in the Bible. God repeats them again several times. Uh, Remember, Jesus in the Gospels told his disciples the same thing on several occasions. I want to read a, a good quote from Warren Wiersbe's commentary on Genesis. He said, God's remedy for Abraham's fear was to remind him who he was. I am thy shield, and thy exceedingly great reward. God's I am is perfectly adequate for man's I am not. Your life is only as big as your faith, and your faith is only as big as your God. If you spend all your time looking at yourself, you'll get discouraged. But if you look to God by faith, you will be encouraged. And there's a lot of great truth in that statement. And by the way, Satan knows that he knows if he can get us focusing on us and our problems and, and how bad things are and the struggles we it won't be long before we get discouraged and want to give up. But Abraham was in that boat, and God's answer to Abraham is God's answer to us. Get your eyes off yourself and put them where they should be. Put your eyes on the great I am and you'll realize that that great I am is sufficient for you. And there's an important truth that I want us to understand and realize. Abraham had to learn it and we have to learn it. If God knows the future, he is surely able to handle my present and your present. You see... Abraham hadn't realized the promise that God had given him. And in fact, it's going to be even a couple more decades after this before that promise becomes fulfilled. And yet, God knew Abraham's days, every single one of them. And God knows your days. Jesus said that God knows your every day. He knows your every need. He knows your, the days of your life. He knows the hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. And He loves you and wants to, to bless you and wants to use you. Now, that those blessings may not be monetary blessings, but uh, blessings aren't always monetary, are they? You think about the greatest gifts, especially if you're parents and um, grandparents, the, the, probably the most prized possessions, and you all probably have them in your closet in a box somewhere or on your refrigerator. Those most prized things are not things that cost hundreds of dollars from the store. Your most prized things and your most prized memories are those things that your children made for you. Maybe it was a card uh Maybe it was a drawing. Maybe it was one of those macaroni necklaces. Maybe it was a off of My mom has this um, ornament that we made in first grade. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It kind of looks like maybe it's supposed to be a Christmas tree. I'm not exactly sure. It's a, a jumbled mess. It's the ugliest thing. And yet she's kept it all of these years because I gave it to her. I made it for her. And so sometimes our treasure is not money after all. The greatest treasure any of us have is a relationship with God. And when you have that treasure, it doesn't matter what the stock market does. It doesn't matter what... uh, you know, piles your way, what your health might be, how sick you are, or, you know, how much the doctors ride in your case. and it doesn't matter how that boss is being mean to you, making demands of you. It doesn't matter the stresses of your family, because God can handle it all. So a couple of things that we're reminded of in, from Abraham's experience here is he's received this dream. And the first thing is this we must learn to trust God's providence. Now I tell you that I believe that God knows everything. He's an all knowing God. And there are he is an all powerful God. But God does not make everything happen. We blame God for a lot of things. Why did God take my loved one? Why did God give me cancer? Why did God give me an F on this test that I didn't study for? You know, we blame God. But God's probably most of the time not at fault. The reason cancer and disease and sickness are in the world is because of sin. It is because of the fallen nature of man. It is because we are operate, and exercise the free will that God gives us. We have several students here. You're in school. Guess what? You have tests. Quizzes, sometimes pop quizzes. I hated pop quizzes when I was in school. The very nature of pop, you couldn't study for them. They were unannounced. See whether you were doing what you were supposed to be doing or not. But, you know, usually what happens when people fail a test, it's most of the time not because the teacher failed to teach them. It's not because they didn't have a textbook to read. It's not because God didn't give them a brain that they could use. And Most of the time, you know why they fail? Because instead of studying, paying attention in class and studying, for this test that you knew about, said, eh, I'll just wing it. I don't need to study. I don't need to pay attention. And we find that because we didn't do what we were supposed to, we didn't get the result we had hoped for. You see, it is true even after we're saved, even after you ask Christ to come into your life, you still have free will. You have the ability to follow God or not. You have the ability to trust God or not. But you need to understand that God has the ability to take care of every situation you find yourself in. He can sometimes do it supernaturally. And we've seen Him do some amazing things. And we could probably stay here all day until, you know, into... An, Darkness, testifying of the times that God has worked in our life, in the lives of those that we love, and that we've seen miracles. This morning in Sunday school, we talked about God parting the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. That surely was a miracle. It surely was God's almighty hand working on behalf of His people. And I believe that God still is the same God and He's still just as powerful today in 2016 as He was in Moses' day. And God does sometimes work supernatural miracles on our behalf. Sometimes, though, God uses people. He uses other Christians to meet the need in our life. He uses others to pull us back on track when we get uh, off a little bit. He gives us encouragement from a note or a phone call or a visit from a Christian friend just at the right moment. But we need to be reminded daily that, listen, God knows our future. And so if he knows all the things in all of our future, then he can handle the things we're battling today. If we'll let him. Sometimes God says, listen, I'm going to help you work through it, but I'm going to use you to do the work. He does it supernaturally sometimes. Sometimes he does it through others. And sometimes his providence is us doing what we know we ought to do. And so we've got to learn to trust. And so... Abraham had this assurance from God that listen everything's going to be okay but then I want you to notice what happens next he falls asleep and he has a vision and it's not a hunk it's not a sound of music on the hillside you know the hills are alive and it's not a, a flowery dream it's a scary dream and he doesn't like what he sees And he wakes up and he he said, the Lord says, listen, I want you to bring me an offering. And it was kind of an odd offering. He said, I want you to bring a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Odd indeed. And the animals, not the birds, but the other animals... Abraham cut in half, and he put one half on one side and one half on the other side. Because that's what the Lord had told him to do. And then, at the end of the chapter, we find this. The book of Exodus says, an oven appeared. In other uh, a light, a smoke came down. And that's the the presence of God Almighty came and walked between those offerings. And said, Abraham, I have made a covenant with you. And when I make a promise with you, I am faithful to keep it. He says, but listen, remember that the, the promise is not going to come right away. In fact, he says, listen, you're not going to see this promise. You're not going to live here. In fact, generations of your offspring are not going to live here. And in fact, you're going to end up back in Egypt, your offspring going to end up back in Egypt where you just came from. And your offspring are going to be enslaved there for 400 years. But then, they're going to enter the promised land. So I said, listen to your descent. They are going to find. And they're going to inherit. They're going to have this promised land. But it's not going to come tomorrow. And it's not going to just be easy peasy. It will be difficult. And can I tell you that if you're following the Lord, you do have difficult days. If you haven't had struggles in a while, you probably aren't doing it right. If there have not been some battles and temptations that you fight, you're probably not doing it right. But when those battles, when those trials, and when those temptations come, it's then that we find, you know what, God is faithful, just like He said He would be. And it's in those times when our faith become stronger because we find, listen, we can trust God. We have from Genesis all the way through Revelation, 66 books that record for us and remind us that God is there for us. He's rooting for us. He's in our corner. But he reminds us of this last thing, and that's this, that we must learn to practice patience. You see, God, sometimes He does work. We pray a prayer, and man, you know, two seconds later, we find the answer. Most of the time, in fact, 99.9% of the time, it doesn't quite work that fast. So next time you have to wait a week or a year or two years for a prayer to be answered, remember, Abraham had to wait 400 years at least, you know, Just while the children of Israel were in bondage for 400 years. So it was, you know, several centuries before the Israelites actually got to the promised land. But God knows what He's doing. God knows our tomorrows. In fact, He knows all eternity, He's got it under His control. It is under His providential care because He created it. And so we have to remember, listen, we can trust God. We can lean upon Him and know that when times are rough, that's when we need to not walk away from God. That's when we need to get even closer to Him. And we must learn to practice patience. Over and over again through Scripture, it reminds us that, listen, there has to be some endurance in the Christian life, especially in the New Testament, especially Paul's writings. Paul reminds us over and over again. He said, hang in there. Keep on believing. Like the great journey song, don't stop believing. applies to the Christian life. Hang in there. Trust and obey. Because when we will, that's when we will see God work. Friend, it's not easy. But it's well worth it. Those of you that are mothers know that childbirth is not an easy process thanks to sin. There was a time, and God intended for it, to just be poof. But because of sin, part of the curse was that childbirth would be painful. The doctor told me when I had my kidney stone that that is the closest pain that a man can experience to a woman giving birth. I dare say it's a lot worse, but what do I know? Um, I, but it, in other words, it's painful. But do you know every mother here would say it was sure worth the pain. And I tell you that child rearing the pain doesn't stop at childbirth. There are times as those children grow up that they cause tears. They cause turmoil. They cause wringing of hands and sleepless nights. But still, every parent here would say, you know what? It's worth it. And God says to us, even though the road will not be easy, it will be worth it. And so we need to remember, God knows the future. And because He knows the future, He's able to handle my present. He's able to handle your present. We need to learn to trust Him. And that trust, verse 6 of Roman, of Genesis chapter 15, is quoted four times in the New Testament, twice by um, Paul, once by the writer of Hebrews, and once by James. It says, it, he believed the Lord, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. Abraham's righteousness wasn't his own righteousness. It was his belief. It was his faith and trust in God. It was believing God that even though he couldn't see the result, even though he wanted to, he said, God, I know that you're faithful to your promise and I'm going to stick to you. And I'm going to stick with you because I know you're going to bring things about. And boy, don't we all have a testimony of when things weren't working quite out the way we thought they should and the way we wanted them to, but but when we have hindsight, we say, you know what, God knew what he was doing. And see now that things turned out a lot better in God's way than the way that I wanted them to. I'm sure all of us have, have those stories and those instances. Abraham certainly did. As we'll see next week, he had an episode where well, Sarah, maybe we need to help God out with his promises. And that didn't go so well, as we'll see. Listen, we can trust God and know that he is there for us. He's in our corner fighting for us. The problem is oftentimes we're in the next county. The solution, the thing that we need to do is not run to the next county. The thing we need to do is get under the cross. Is to get nearer and nearer and nearer to the Almighty. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the great reminder that you are there for us, fighting for us, that you know are every day. Lord, as Brent mentioned, your word says it is appointed for all men to die. And after this, the judgment. Lord, we will stand before you and we will give an account. Most importantly, for what we've done with Jesus. Whether we've accepted his offer of salvation. Or whether we've said no thanks. Lord, for those of us that have trusted you, Lord, there's still times in our life when we doubt, when our faith is so weak, when we struggle. Lord, would you help us to remember that you've got it all under control? You're able to handle our present. Lord, if there's one here today that needs to trust you, maybe there's one that needs to trust you for salvation today. Today would be a great day for them to come. And to say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I accept the gift that Jesus Christ gave by dying on the cross for me. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today that they are saved. They know you. But Lord, they, like Abraham, have doubt. No, they're struggling. And they're saying, God, why is it so hard? The Lord, you never really gave Abraham an answer why it's so hard. You simply said, trust me. Depend on me. Lord, maybe there's one here today that just needs to say, Lord, I've been holding on to the situation. Maybe that there's someone that just needs to turn a situation or a circumstance or a loved one or a situation over to you. Because, Lord, the truth of the matter is, You can handle our problems a whole lot better than we can. Help us to trust You in all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, my friend. As Tiffany leads us in a song. God spoken to your heart, and there's a decision you need to make today would be a great day. For you to say, Lord, here this is. Let's sing together.